so good to be with you this morning on behalf of my family. I, I do want to say thank you for the welcome that we've received. So many of us have introduced yourself. This is in my way. <laughs> I'm too short for that, Mike. Um, so many of you have introduced yourselves to our families that we have a Rolodex in our minds of hundreds of names. Uh, if we forget your name, please don't feel insulted. Um, but it is good to be here with you. It really is. I was here a few months ago uh, in 2021, we're in 2022 now, and I preached on the book of Jude. I hope many of you were there for the first two verses as we looked at Jude chapter 1. We looked at the first two verses of Jude chapter 1, and I thought it appropriate this morning for us to continue going through the book of Jude. This morning, we're just going to look at two verses again. I'm a bit slow. (laughs) Sorry about that. But I think there are two incredibly rich verses in verse 3 and in verse 4 of the book of Jude. And I want us to impress them to our hearts this morning as a church. I think it would be fitting if we read through the whole book so that we have context. So you understand how the book fits together as we look at just these two verses. And so, in honor of the reading of God's word, could I please ask you to stand as I read the book of Jude to you? Please stand as I read the book of Jude. Friends, hear the reading of God's word. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, loved by God the Father, and kept... For Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. These are the the two verses that we will look at this morning. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago, have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. What follows now is the body of the letter of Jude. Now I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains in deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people... Relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael, the archangel, was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand. And what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, By these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain and have plunged into Balaam's error for profit and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feasts, as they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds 
who look only after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds. Trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shameful deeds. Wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, Look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. These people are discontented grumblers living according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words flattering people for their own advantage. Jude now has the application of the book from verse 17 onwards. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end time there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up In your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now the great close of this book. Now to him who's able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. (laughs) Please be seated. It would be fitting if we bow our heads before Almighty God and pray that God himself would speak to us as we now hear the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father, we long to see Jesus. Would you show us him this morning from your word? Lord, would you teach us, exhort us, rebuke us, correct us from your word this morning? Would you encourage us? Lord, would you build us up towards the mature man? Would we be a mature church because of your word this morning? Lord God, this is a work you must do by your spirit, working within our hearts, working within our minds. Make it so that we would glorify you in this place now and forevermore. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Kids, there was no puppet show today. There was no children's talk. And so we're going to start off with a a story just for you. But adults, (laughs) pay careful attention. This is for you too. Once upon a... All good stories start with once upon a time, right? So once upon a time, and I'm guessing the story would be known to many, a wolf found great difficulty in getting at the sheep, owing to the vigilance of the shepherd and his dogs. But one day, it found the skin of a 
sheep that had been skinned and thrown aside. And so it put the skin over its own pelt and strolled down amongst the sheep. What do you think happened? A lamb that belonged to the sheep whose skin the wolf was wearing began to follow the wolf in sheep's clothing. So leading the lamb a little... This isn't a happy ending. (laughs) So leading the lamb a little apart, he soon made a meal off her. And for some time he succeeded in deceiving the sheep and enjoying hearty meals. Just so far in that fable. It's not a happily ever after they lived ending, but what do you think the moral of that story is? Appearances can be deceiving, right? Don't trust and beware of wolves in sheep's clothing is our English metaphor. Church, there are wolves in the sheep pen. The wolves that I'm talking about are false teachers. False teachers have infiltrated the church. And if they haven't infiltrated this church yet, or if they haven't infiltrated this church in a while, they soon will. You can be 100% certain of that. In our age, false teachers and false teaching abound. They're all around us. And so you need to be battle ready because the sheep that these wolves seek to devour is you. These wolves can be hard to spot. They look like us. They wear their Sunday best to church. They act like us. They sit in the front pew. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that they're actually sitting in the front pew today. But they they sit in the front pew and they say hallelujah at all the right times. They sound like us. They use the same words, the same Christianese, and all, all the right things to say. But they are not us. And the consequences of not identifying false teachers and fighting against them will be terrible because souls are at stake. Eternal life is at stake. In the text that we read this morning, and particularly the text that we're going to study, verse 3 and 4, Jude writes the following, Beloved, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Why not write about the glorious doctrine of salvation? Why was it so necessary for Jude to write about false teachers and false teaching? Why was it so urgent to write to you appealing to contend for the faith? He answers it in verse 4. Because certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people. 
who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jude is sounding the alarm. We've been infiltrated, and the enemy isn't at the gate. The enemy has breached the walls. He's in the citadel. He's in the castle. He's here among us. We are going to need to fight for the faith. Fortunately, in this letter, Jude gives us battle plans of how to engage the enemy. And this morning, we're going to look at verse 3 and verse 4. And I want to tell you the main idea right up front so that you know it and it's clear. It's this. It's a call to contend for the faith in verse 3. And then to make that point, Jude in verse 4 gives us two points. Against false teachers in the first half of verse 4. And secondly, against false teaching in the second half of verse 4. And so firstly, let's look at verse 3. We are to contend for the faith. Maybe read with me in your own Bible, verse 3. Let's read it again, get it close to mind so that we have it as we are studying through it. It says, Beloved, although I was eager, very eager, to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude states his authorial intent right up front. He was going to write about salvation, but present and pressing circumstances have changed his mind. He now must write about the matter of the moment because it is necessary. And can you hear something of the urgency on, of his appeal to believers to contend for the faith? The word translated here as contend is actually where we get the English word agonize from. Jude wants you to contest for the faith. Jude wants you to wrestle for the faith. Jude wants you to fight for the faith. Jude wants you to struggle for the faith. Jude wants you to strive for the faith. We are to agonize for the faith. The Amplified Bible interprets the word well as fight strenuously for the defense of the faith. The New Standard American Bible is a literal translation and it literally translates this word as contend earnestly, contend earnestly for the faith. Now I've seen in some social media circles, social media warriors, Paraphrase this as be contentious for the faith or be argumentative for the faith. That's not what Jude's intent is. Yeah. We will see in a few weeks' time as we look at verse 17 to 23 that this contending isn't be Bible bashing for the faith. As the pastoral staff uh, and the interns reviewed the sermon this week, I can't remember if it was Daniel or Jabu, pointed out that the faith here needs to be defined if we are to understand it. And so let me say that the faith here is the body of truth that we as Christians believe. 
the faith is the apostles' teaching that all Christians are devoted to. The faith is those doctrines essential to authentic Christianity. The faith is drawn from Scripture, and the faith is clear in Scripture. The faith certainly includes great doctrines such as the deity of Christ, salvation by grace alone, salvation through Christ alone, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, uh, the literal resurrection of Jesus, monotheism, that our God is one, and the Holy Trinity, that our God is three persons in one Godhead. This faith that was once And for all, delivered to the saints. This faith that false teachers are always attacking. Now church, note this carefully. Contending for the faith is an every member ministry. Jude isn't writing to the pastor of your church. This letter is not addressed to Charles. This letter is not addressed to Jabu. This letter is not addressed to Isaac. This letter is not addressed to Mark. This letter is not addressed to our elders. Look with me in your Bibles at verse 1. The letter is written to those who are called. That is all of us. Uh, The command to contend in verse 3, if you cast your eyes there, is to those who are called what? Beloved. That's all of us. At the end of verse 3, the faith that was delivered to the saints, the saints, that is all of us. Jude is writing to us. He wants us to contend earnestly for the faith. You are to contend for the faith. Jude is saying in verse 3, contend for the faith. Now let's take a look at verse 4. He starts off by saying against false teachers, against false teachers. And the first three phrases are related to the false teachers that Jude wants his readers to contend against. In verse 4, look at the first phrase together with me. Certain people have crept in unnoticed. Jude says that these false teachers are a little creepy. (laughs) Literally, they've settled in alongside us. They've come in by the, the side door. They're sneaky. They're cunning. They're sitting in the pew next to you. Now, some of you are sitting next to your husband and your wife. I'm not implying that your husband or your wife is a false teacher. But what I do mean is that they, yeah, they are among us. They'll be drinking a cup of coffee after the service chatting to you. They've infiltrated our midst. Jesus warned of these false teachers by saying, while people sleep, his enemy would come. Paul warned of false brothers infiltrating our ranks. Paul said that these false teachers use human cunning with cleverness in technique of deceit. Peter warned that there would be false teachers among you, bringing in destructive heresies. And now Jude says they are here. They're among us. 
Friends, such people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers, distinguishing and disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And just like their father, the devil, these false teachers disguise themselves as men of God. They are pastors, elders, Bible study leaders. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Look at the second phrase in verse 4 together with me. It says, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Believer, this morning hold on to this great and glorious truth. Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Amen? And hallelujah. Not so for false teachers. They are condemned. Peter says that false teachers will bring swift destruction on themselves. Their condemnation, pronounced long ago, is not idle and their destruction does not sleep. The Lord keeps the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment and the gloom of darkness has been reserved for them. They are truly living their best life now because what comes next for them will be harrowing. They are moving steadily toward their destruction and doom. Read the next phrase in verse 4 together with me. It says, ungodly people. Ungodly people. What is more, they're living out a counterfeit Christianity. They lack proper respect for God. At their heart, they are irreverent. They wear a mask over their face. With the mask on, they sit in the midst of the congregation. They're members of the gathering. They teach in the assembly. But with the mask off, they don't truly love God as God. This becomes the main theme of the rest of the letter of Jude. Um, If you uh, take a look at verse 4, you can just scan your eyes through the book together with me. They're called ungodly. False teachers are sensual and deny Jesus Christ. Cast your eyes to verse 8. They lack true revelation. They defile their flesh. They reject authority and they slander glorious ones. Look at verse 10. They are blasphemers and self-destructive. Look at verse 16. They are discontented grumblers, living according to their desires, and are arrogant flatterers. Verse 18, they are scoffers. Verse 19, they cause divisions and are worldly and do not have the Spirit. Ultimately, they are not believers. This morning, through verse 3 and 4 of the book of Jude, Jude is saying, contend for the faith. And firstly, he's saying, against these false teachers. His second point is against their false teaching. Again in verse 4, look at the next phrase which, which comes. Who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. The word translated as sensuality refers to any excess or lack of restraint. This is shameless excess. 
indecent behavior, sexual excess, lurid sexual immorality, uninhibited licentiousness, grimy sexual debauchery. These men pervert grace in that they sanction sin in their own lives and in the lives of their disciples. Instead of teaching that grace cancels the penalty of sin and breaks the power of sin and one day will eradicate the presence of sin in our lives, they teach that grace gives us license to sin. And so they sin so that grace may abound. Church, the gospel is a call to discipleship. The gospel is a call to follow Jesus in submissive obedience. The gospel frees us from the power of sin so that we might live God-glorifying lives. But churches today are far too concerned with filling pews than filling heaven. And so any profession, whether or not the person shows any evidence of actual commitment to Jesus Christ is affirmed as a salvation testimony. Faith is reduced merely to an intellectual exercise. Faith is no longer surrendered to Jesus Christ as master and Lord. It's watered down to accepting just a few basic tenets or facts about him. A type of acceptance which results in no heart change. And this is evidenced by no life change. Easy believism. These corrupt wolves teach a corrupt gospel that is fit only for goats. And they teach unrighteousness as righteousness. They pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. The last phrase in verse 4. And deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. False teachers don't walk around with a shirt that says, I hate Jesus on it. No, they use all the right lingo. They talk of God and of Jesus and of the Spirit and of salvation and of faith and of atonement and of the resurrection. They just put their own meanings on every word. They distort every word. They twist every word. And in doing so, they ultimately deny Jesus Christ. Your soul... Your eternal life depends on what you believe concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is described in the last part of verse 4 as master. The word master is despotes. It's where we get the English word despot from. A despot is an undisputed owner, an absolute and unrestricted authority. The Greeks refused the title to any but the gods. In the New Testament, despotes and curion, where we get the words master and lord from, are used interchangeably for the one true God. Jesus is one who has legal control and authority over each and every single one of his subjects. The word Lord, Curion, describes the supreme one. Jesus is the sovereign and possesses absolute authority, absolute ownership, and uncontested power over each and every one of his subjects. False teachers always end up undermining the person or the work of Christ. 
They bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who had bought them. In Jude, verse 3 and 4, we have seen that Jude is saying that we must contend for the faith against false teachers and against their false teaching. Now, how do we go about applying that? Church, they are wolves in the sheep pen. If false teachers haven't infiltrated this church yet, or this church in a while, you can be 100% certain they will soon. The greatest threat to our church isn't persecution from the outside. It's false teaching bubbling up on the inside, producing unbelief and false living appealing to our carnality. If you're not sure what I mean when I say false teacher or false teaching, here are some examples. T.D. Jakes says that God eternally exists in three manifestations rather than the orthodox Christian belief that there's one God in three persons. Krevla Dollar says that we are created in the image of God and therefore we are little gods. Steve Furtnick, who is a Baptist, says that God broke the law for love, that he broke his own law in order to save us. Benny Hinn sells the gospel on TBN every day. Kenneth Copeland sold healing for a pretty penny. Mormonism says that God revealed new scripture to Joseph Smith that supersedes the Bible. Roman Catholicism says that we are justified by faith, but that faith is not alone. It must be accompanied by works. Shembe is not the way, and ZCCT cannot heal you. False teachers are on the best-selling shelf at our local Kum bookstore. False teachers every single day and every single hour on the airwaves daily of TBN, of Daystar Television Network, of Faith Broadcasting Network. False teachers preach from pulpits all across our city this morning. Church, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Practically, men, you are to contend for the faith in your household. Moms, you are to contend for the faith as you raise your children. Bible study leaders, you are to contend for the faith in your small groups. Elders, you are to contend for the faith as you protect this pulpit. Church, counterfeit Christians find it far too easy to infiltrate Christian communities because we hand over responsibility for knowing the faith to our pastors too quickly. You're not ready to contend for anything because you hardly know anything. The Christian life is meant to be an informed life. We know the truth and the truth sets us free. So take charge of your faith. Join this year a small group Bible study. Go and speak to Eugene with urgency so that he can link you into a group so that you can get off the knowledge and grow toward Christian maturity. Join the Bible reading program. Hide God's word deep in your heart. We need to take discipleship seriously. But even before I get there, 
let me say that family Bible hour and Sunday school starts next week. Parents, make sure that your children are in Sunday school so that they can learn from an early age uh, the things of God. For those of you who don't know what family Bible hour is, Kenneth is waving his hand vigorously now, um, more vigorously than that. Go and speak to him after the service, and he'll get you linked into family Bible hour and tell you what they're teaching even from next week. Church, we need to take discipleship far more seriously. Are you a new believer? Who is discipling you right now? Speak to an elder after the service to get to connected to a mature believer. Are you a mature believer? Ask yourself the question, who are you discipling right now? The Great Commission is go and make disciples. Make disciples. Don't let the Great Commission become the great omission in your life. I realize that not everyone here this morning is a believer, a saint. How might this message apply to you? Well, there's a warning in this text. The text talks of a certain judgment which is to come. Jesus will judge those who pervert the gospel. And you can be sure that the false disciples of false teachers will face the righteous judgment of our holy God too. Friend, have you not yet received forgiveness for your sins? Is judgment coming for you. This morning, recognize your desperate need for a Savior outside of yourself. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Confess your sins and embrace Him as your Lord and your Savior. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Speak to a pastor, speak to Jabu, speak to me, speak to an elder after the service, that we can guide you in the ways of salvation from God's word, that you might see Jesus Christ and live. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I do thank you for your word. Because it is faithful and it is true. And it is sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. We have nothing to be afraid in this darkened world. Even as we hear of false teachers and of false teaching, we can cling to the cross of Christ. We, we can take confidence that the Holy Spirit of God has been given to us as a seal to the day of redemption. Oh Lord, would you build us up in this most holy faith, that we would grow toward maturity, that even as you have released us from the penalty of sin in this life and you have shattered the power of sin over us, Lord God, make us fit for heaven's glories to come where even the presence of sin will flee. Help us to live God-glorifying lives here in Central Baptist Church, Arcadia that your name might be praised amongst your people and that this city might have a witness that bears testimony to the death and to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and might hear the call to come out of sin and come into glorious light that you might receive much praise and glory. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.